0: Good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning. Um, Kathy and I have been with our family on vacation for a while. We came back not rested and relaxed, but we did have a good time there. Um, Enjoyed it very much, Um, but it is good to be back with you. We really missed being here last Sunday with you. Today is a special day at Netherwood Park. One of my favorite days at Netherwood Park is always when we have our annual Christmas party, and that day is today. So this evening at 4.30, we will meet in here for a short devotional, half an hour, no more than that. Um, After the devotional, we'll make our way over to the gym for a potluck dinner. Um, We'll enjoy that dinner, and then we will also take time to honor Anthony and Sunshine. Um, We'll spend time honoring them, um, thanking them for the way that they've served us, and celebrating the new opportunity that they have in Houston where we know that God will bless them and bless those that they will come in contact with. So you'll want to be here for that, if nothing else. But after that, we have our annual talent show, which is world famous by this point, I am sure, because there's so much talent in this congregation. Or at least there are so many people who are willing to humiliate themselves for the enjoyment of the rest of us, and we always appreciate that very much. So plan on being here for that. I think we have eight or nine acts. It won't be a long night, but it will be a fun night. So please plan on being here with us for that tonight. Um, I do want to give you a Project 6K update. It's been a few weeks since we gave an update, and a lot of books have been read during that time. So now we are up to 7,368 books, uh, well past our 6K goal Uh, moving towards 8,000 for the year. So please continue to keep up your reading, continue to report those results. And here in a few weeks, we'll be able to see what our final tally is for 2016. Let's pray together. Now, Father, we thank you for being our God. Father, we thank you for allowing us into your presence and hearing our prayers. Father, thank you for loving us. And, Father, we confess that oftentimes we are very selfish people. Father, we tend to look at things through the lens of what does it do for me and what has been done for me and how does it benefit me. And, Father, my prayer is that you'll help shift our focus. Father, instead of worrying about what has been done for us, Father, help us to be focused on what we can do for you and what we can do for others. Father, help us look outside ourselves and look to you and to look to others. And Father, we pray this prayer through Jesus who is the Christ. Amen. Well, we're nearing the end of our sermon series that we've been in and we've been studying the Old Testament book of Malachi. I want to thank Anthony for preaching from Malachi last week and I've heard excellent things about the sermon that he gave last week. I want to spend just a moment to refresh our memories about how we've been approaching the Book of Malachi. We've been approaching it as a courtroom drama, a courtroom where accusations are made and questions are raised and defenses are offered. And the primary actors in this courtroom drama are God on one side of the courtroom and the people of Judah on the other side. And if you'll remember, Malachi's drama opened with the people of Judah boldly accusing God of being unfaithful to them. Accused God of being unfaithful to his chosen covenant people. So the image we had is the people of Judah taking God to court and saying, You don't love us. You don't love us because if you loved us, life wouldn't be so hard. But God refuted Judah's allegations and he reminded them that his love for them is a love that knows no bounds. He's always loved them. He has always forgiven them. He has always taken them back, even when their wickedness exceeded the wickedness of the wicked countries that surrounded them. And then we saw God shift the focus in the courtroom. We saw God shift the focus by moving out of the seat of the accused and into the seat of the accuser. And as God shifted seats and shifted focus, we moved into the courtroom and we took our seats, our often uncomfortable seats, right alongside Malachi's people, right in the courtroom. And we did that so that we too could be questioned and examined by our God. And uncomfortably, over the last four weeks, together with Judah, we have emerged from those court sessions knowing that we are guilty as charged. Guilty as charged by God of showing contempt for his name by bringing him sacrifices that didn't require us to actually sacrifice anything. And guilty as charged of God by being unfaithful to our covenants. And guilty as charged by God of wearying him. Wearying him when we call good evil and when we call evil good. And last week we saw that we have been guilty as charged by God of robbing him. Actually robbing God. Robbing him when we don't trust that he will take care of us like he has promised to take care of us. This is what happened in Malachi's courtroom. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. God says, will a man rob me? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And God's answer was, in tithes and offerings you rob me. He says, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Then he says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land says the Lord Almighty. We learn in court that we are guilty of robbing God when we withhold money from him because we don't trust him to provide for our needs. And we are guilty of robbing God when we withhold our time from him because we don't trust him to provide for our needs. And we are guilty of robbing God when we fail to realize that everything that we possess, our money, our possessions, our resources, our time, our talents, everything we possess comes from him and is controlled by him. So when we don't trust God to do what he says he will do for us. When we don't trust God to be who he says he is, we are guilty of robbing God. Guilty, 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 guilty. That's a lot of guilt, isn't it? But we're not coming into Malachi's courtroom just to feel guilty. No, we're coming here to examine ourselves. To examine ourselves through God's eyes so that we can, by his grace, be transformed into the obedient and respectful and loving and trusting and giving children that he's called us to be. And today we're back in Malachi's courtroom. And we're here to hear his last charge against his people. And today we're going to hear God say to Judah, you have said harsh things against me. And as we have come to expect, we're also going to hear the people protest their innocence in the form of a question. They're going to ask, what have we said against you? Malachi chapter 3 and verse 13. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? So now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evil doers prosper and even those who challenge God escape. What have we said against you, God? What harsh things have we said that have come out of our mouths against you, God? See, the people are asking for evidence. And this comes under the category of being careful what you ask for, because then God gives them the evidence. He says, you have spoken harshly against me when you say that it is futile to serve me. When you say there's no value in serving me. When you say that serving me is fruitless, it's worthless, it's useless to serve me. And God says you have spoken harshly against me. When you say that you haven't gained anything by obeying me. You see it's a slap in God's face when his people reject sacrificing for him. Because those sacrifices don't seem to bring anything to them. They don't personally gain from the sacrifice. And it's a harsh rebuke of God when his people reject their covenants because those covenants don't seem to bring any personal gain to them. And it's a strong attack against God's name when his people withhold their tithes and their offerings from him Because they don't trust God's provisions for them. See, God's people say harsh things about him and against him when they refuse to do what he's instructed them to do. When they refuse to do what he has instructed them to do because they don't believe he will do what he has promised he will do. It's a lot of do's, isn't it? God's people say harsh things about him when they refuse to do what he has instructed them to do because they don't believe he will do what he has promised to do. And that's speaking harshly against God. And God's people say harsh things about him when they begin to envy the circumstances of the evil people that they see around them when they begin to adopt these kind of attitudes? Well, why obey God when it's the arrogant evildoers who seem to prosper? Well, why obey God when it seems like the people who live in open and direct opposition to God are the ones who are being enriched? We can relate to those complaints, can't we? I mean, haven't we all at times wondered why good things seem to come to bad people? And haven't we all at times wondered why bad things seem to come to good people? Haven't we all at times wondered if this battle to live God-fearing and God-trusting lives is really worth it? When we look around us and see godless people prospering. Those kind of feelings are prevalent among us. And those kind of feelings have been prevalent among God's people since the very beginning. And those kind of feelings, if they're not checked, can lead us to despair. They can lead us to defeat. They can lead us to just simply giving up. See, when God's people envy the wicked people that they see around them that are prospering, they're in danger of slipping. They're in danger of losing their foothold. Listen to the psalmist describe this danger in Psalm 73. He says, Surely God is good to Israel, good to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had almost lost my foothold. For I had envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, They had no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. And in verse 12, he continues on, talking about how close he was to slipping, how close he was to losing his foothold. He says, I begin to believe that this is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. So surely I have kept my heart pure in vain. And in vain I have washed my hands in innocence. Because all day long I have been plagued. I've been punished every morning. And Malachi's courtroom wasn't filled with people whose feet had almost slipped. This courtroom isn't brimming with men and women who had nearly lost their foothold. No Judah, God's covenant people, they had slipped. They had lost their foothold. They were speaking harshly against their God by first envying and then following the godless people that surrounded them. You see, Judah didn't believe that God had been faithful to them, and so they had become unfaithful to him. And so in their unfaithfulness, they appointed themselves as God's jury, as his faithless jury. And because their lack of faith in God blinded them to the truth about God, this faithless jury pronounced God guilty. They said, you told us to put you to the test. You told us to test you. And we want you to know we've been carrying out that test every single day. And it's only those who openly defy you. Only those who openly break your commands who have been blessed. Who've been blessed with the good things in this life. And their sins seem to never have any consequences. Their sins never find them out. So this faithless jury says, we have put you to the test. And God, you have failed the test. You are guilty. They've adopted the attitude of, after all, why should we take the hard route? Why should we offer you our very best when it doesn't seem like you give us anything in return? After all, why should we take the hard route? Why should we be faithful to our covenants when you do not seem to give us anything special in return? Why be faithful to you? Why be faithful to our community? Why be faithful to our husbands? Why be faithful to our wives when we don't get anything special In return, they've adopted the attitude of: after all, why should we call evil evil, and why should we call good good, when it's the evil who receive good, and it's the good who receive evil? They've adopted the attitude of: after all, why should we bring you generous generous tithes? Why should we bring you generous offerings? Why should we do that when these generous blessings that you talk about are actually being poured out on the people who reject your name? Why take the hard route? Why take the hard route when we don't get anything out of it? God, you are guilty. The faithless jury spoke. Faithless Judah spoke. And declared God guilty, guilty of not loving his people, guilty of not keeping his covenant. And that would be a really depressing way to end our time in Malachi's court. But the court session doesn't end there. The court session doesn't end there because the faithless never have the last word. God has never left himself without faithful witnesses. He's never left himself without a faithful jury. He's never left himself without people whose faith has opened their eyes to the truth about him, the truth about their God. God has never left himself without people who understand that God doesn't exist to meet our needs. And Malachi's courtroom is no exception. See, Malachi's courtroom has a small but faithful jury that is also in attendance. And this jury declared God innocent. Malachi 3.16 Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and the lord heard that one sentence paints a very powerful image see in this courtroom after this large and unfaithful jury has declared the lord guilty this small but faithful jury they found each other they joined together And they boldly declared in the face of all these other voices that God is innocent. And God listened to their voice. And God heard what they said. And what they said was, we fear you, Lord. And when they say, we fear you, Lord, that has a lot wrapped up in it. They're saying, we revere you, Lord. We Honor you, Lord, we esteem you, Lord. We treasure you, Lord, and Lord, we have given our hearts to you. You see this small but faithful jury judged God correctly, Judge God correctly as the God who is faithful to His covenants, as the God who is overflowing with his love for his people and god listened to the faithful and god heard the faithful and then god spoke to the faithful back to malachi 3:16 a scroll of remembrance was written in god's presence concerning those who feared the lord and who honored his name and the Lord Almighty said, They will be mine in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will see again the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. God speaks, God speaks to the faithful. And when God speaks, he speaks words of assurance to his faithful people. And he assures his faithful people that far from being futile, obeying him is actually fruitful. Serving him is fruitful. He assures the faithful that there is much to be gained by obeying him. He assures the faithful that those who fear him and revere him and honor him, those who esteem him and treasure him, are being blessed and will be blessed. And when he does that, he tells those of us whose feet are about to slip. He tells those of us who are about to lose our foothold, those who are tempted to give up, those who are tempted to quit, those of us who have slipped into the attitude of envying the bank accounts of the arrogant, envying the houses of the wicked, envying the health of the evil, envying the carefree ways of the godless, God tells us that there is much to be gained, much to be gained by being obedient to our God. See, he tells those of us whose feet are about to slip and who are about to lose our foothold because it seems like we're making sacrifices and we're keeping our, comf- our covenants and we're giving our offerings and all of that is in vain, that there is instead much to be gained in being obedient to our God. So in this court, what does God say the faithful have to gain by being obedient to him? Well, he starts out by saying, I will remember you. How powerful is it to be assured that the almighty God will remember you? He says, I will remember those who fear me. I will remember those who honor me. I will remember the faithful and obedient. What else do the faithful gain by being obedient to God? Well, God says to the faithful, he says, I will claim you. God says, the obedient will be mine. He says, I will claim those who honor me. The faithful and obedient will be mine. They are mine. And what else do the faithful gain by being obedient to God? God says, not only will you be mine, but I will treasure you. He says, the obedient will be my treasured possession. I will treasure those who honor me. I will treasure the faithful. I will treasure the obedient. The faithful will be claimed and treasured by God. What else will the faithful gain? By being obedient to their God. Well, God says, I will spare you. I will spare you. I will spare you the punishment that's coming to the wicked. I will spare you the punishment that's coming to the arrogant. He says, I will spare you the punishment that's coming to those who show contempt for my name. I will spare you the punishment that's coming to those who are unfaithful to their covenants. I will spare you the punishment that's coming to those who rob their God. And I will spare you the punishment that's coming to those who say harsh things against their God. I will spare you. What do the faithful gain by being obedient? Well, we're remembered by God. We are claimed by God. We are treasured by God. We are spared by God. See, we come together as the remembered. We come together as the claimed. We come together as the treasured. We come together as the spared. So the question for us as we leave Malachi's courtroom today is this. Are we going to slip? Are we going to lose our foothold? Are we going to join with the faithless, jur- the faithless jury and pronounce God guilty? We're we going to join with them and accuse God of being guilty of lying about who he is. Guilty of being faithless instead of faithful. Guilty of being absent instead of present. Guilty of being inert instead of active. Or are we instead going to join with that faithful jury and boldly pronounce God innocent? Are we going to join with that faithful jury and affirm that God is exactly who? He says he is. The question we leave Malachi's courtroom with is this. Will we, will Netherwood Park, will we speak out in our words and in our actions? Will we, will Netherwood Park, will we stand up? Stand up as God's faithful jury and pronounce to the world that God is exactly who he says he is. Will we speak as the remembered? Will we speak as the claimed? Will we speak as the treasured? Will we speak as the spared? Will we speak as we should speak? Let's pray together. Father, we come before you asking you to have your way with us. Have thine own way, Lord. And, Father, we pray the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 73. Father, you hold us by our hands. Father, you guide us with your counsel. And, Father, you are faithful. You are faithful to take us into glory. Who have we but you, O Lord? Father, earth has nothing we desire but you. Father, our heart and our flesh may fail, but you are the strength of our hearts, and you are our portion forever. It's good to be near you, our God, for you are our refuge. And Father, with your help, we will tell all of your glory and your majesty. Father, have your way with us. Father, have thine own way. Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing and let's ask God to have his way with us. Say, Lord, like a shepherd.